This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Tim DeZarn. I played four different aliens on The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and two aliens on Voyager. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhawk. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson. Richard is away this week, but joined with me today is the wonderful Justin Ozer. Justin, hello, and how are you? I'm doing great. I'm trying to think of something different to say this week, because every week I'm like, it's great to be here. I love talking Next Generation every week. So, But it is great to talk Next Generation is, every week. It is great to talk about it. And we're going to be talking about an episode that I love. Yes. So I'm lo- really looking forward to that. But I hope for listeners that don't love this episode, and there are some out there, that they'll listen to, to what we have to say about it. <laughs> Well, before we get going to talk about the amazing episode and introduce our host, our guest, excuse me, um, let's get some Babel Conference feedback. And this is from our episode about Picard's family, Earl Grey 245. Justin, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so Greg Malumbi says, you guys kind of blew my mind with the idea of the Nexus sending Picard back to Catan and actually meeting with the real Cayman. I mean, talk about bringing generations together in an emotional way. That would have been so much better than what we got. Right? That was a great <laughs> idea. And yeah, the Nexus had so much possibility. And this one I hadn't even thought of to have him go and meet Cayman. Yeah, I think it it would have been really wonderful. Now, I know there are people that are that are definitely big fans of Generations. For those who are, I wonder, would they have liked to see that substitution? Or are they fine with the Picard Victorian Christmas Nexus? Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder. Let us know. So I know Brandon Shamatala is a fan. I'm calling you out to comment on that. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Or anyone else that has an opinion on that. But yeah, glad that uh, that you enjoyed that idea. Yes. Well, Prescott Harden had to say, as much as I love this episode, family, I found that I've got an even greater appreciation for it after reading the book, The Autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard by David A. Goodman. Although not strictly canon... It shows you the story behind Picard's upbringing and why the relationship between the Picard brothers is so acrimonious and dysfunctional. It also shows Maurice Picard's role in creating an adversarial relationship between his son. Amy Nelson, if you haven't read it already, this is a must-read for any TNG enthusiast. I'm sure you've read the book, Justin. I have. You know, it actually took me a while. It came out almost a year ago, and I started reading it a bit, but I got sidetracked by some stuff, but picked it up more recently. I think especially because of the Picard series, and I wanted to kind of see what David A. Goodman did with this. Oh. And it's it's really good. And 
it does tell you more about his upbringing and the family relationships and different things in his life. I mean, it's actually really good. Amy, I definitely recommend you read it if you have a chance or other listeners out there that haven't read it. But be aware, if you're familiar with the novels, it does conflict with some of the things that happen in the novels, but that's okay. Goodman's kind of making his own universe yeah. is what I feel. And and it's interesting to get that different perspective. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a good thing to bring up Prescott in terms of our conversation because it does kind of add add a lot to, to how you think about these things. Yeah. So uh, Stefan Ringlein says, great discussion, guys. Joe really brought in some very good perspectives. But on what he said about Robert, I have to say, au contraire, mon frère. I absolutely love Jeremy Kemp's portrayal of Robert. For me personally, the interaction of the Picard brothers was very believable and felt real. Like Amy, I also recognized some little things from spending time with my own siblings in the past. The rivalry and accumulated anger of Robert is played so well, ergo is, at least for me, realistic. About René in Generations. I always thought, this is René, his nephew, because it's the Nexus. Picard wishes for him to be alive again, and the way he hugs him definitely proves that he's that exact René. It's the Nexus, so as I recall, you get what you wish for, no matter if it makes sense or not. He wishes that René is part of his own little family, or even his son. The Victorian style is maybe just something Picard fancies because it's something different from his time and space or it's his 24th century interpretation of the Belle Epoque. I love Generations and will defend it to anyone like Amy does for Nemesis because of those precious moments where we see more of what's behind the curtain in Jean-Luc Picard's mind. So thank you, Stefan, for well those comprehensive comments. You talked about a lot of things we talked about in the episode. And it sounds like you're someone that uh, would that likes what happened in the Nexus there and wouldn't want to substitute, you know, Cayman or Catan. So we got a little feedback on that already, I yeah. guess. But no, I mean, lots of, of really great points. And, you know, maybe it is meant to really represent that Rene, even if he looks different, played by a, a different actor. So yeah, appreciate the thoughts on the comments. Yeah. And defend, 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 no matter what other people say, because it's if it's good for you, then that's all that matters. So yeah, well, and you know what? Next episode, we are talking about generations, so we'll get more into it. Yes. All right. Well, Justin, it's time to bring on our wonderful guest who I have had the wonderful opportunity of podcasting with. He was on Postcards from the Edge recently, and that is Rob Chapman. Rob, hello. Welcome to Earl Grey. Hi, Amy. Hi, Justin. Thanks for thanks for having me on Earl Grey. It's really exciting. I'm a huge fan of the show and of both of you, so glad to be here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Great to have you here. How long have you been listening to Trek FM? I was curious. Ooh, um, it must be at least two, three years now. It feels like a lot longer. It probably, yeah, probably about two, three years. Yeah, well, I we were on one of, well, I think it was one of my first roundtables um, when we first podcast together all those years back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's been so many. Of them. I know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you've been to a lot of roundtables. I've, I've been on roundtables with you as well, Rob. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I think it was a, a, a roundtable that we did on books that inspired you to do what you do now. <laughs> it was, yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, tell us, Rob, what is it that you do now? Uh, well, Star Trek related, anyway. Yes. Um, I um, I run a Trek book club on um, on Twitter, uh, which you can find by searching for at Trek Book Club. And it's a, a, a dedicated to Star Trek books. And we basically select uh, a Star Trek book each month. Um, we read it separately and then come together at the end of the month, usually on our last 
the last Saturday of the month and discuss it on Twitter. So um, we talk about the bits that we liked about the book, the bits that perhaps we didn't, uh, favourite characters, um, p- post questions. Um, yeah, and every, everyone's welcome, newbies and, and veteran Star, uh, Star Trek book readers as, as well. So um, yeah, if you're interested in Star Trek books, um, come along and, and join in. Yeah, and well, I've I've been participating. I think in just about every one of them. I'm a patron of your Trek Book Club. I love. I have to say, I, I love what you do, and it's really great. I mean, not only because of all the interaction, but you've gotten some authors to interact as well to answer questions and and to contribute to the the discussion. And yeah, I mean, I think even if you've never read a novel, I think Rob, you do it in such a way that you could just like jump in with whatever is going on that month and, and to read the novel. So I don't think you have to feel like you're, you, you've read like every novel or you've really experienced with it. it can, there's a lot of people, it's their first. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I, I mean, I've only read maybe 10, 11 Star Trek books, <laughs> so I'm by no means a veteran. So yeah, you don't have to have read lots to, to join in. Um, and you can just chip in with questions or comments or anything really. So yeah, we've been really lucky to have authors and um and I think on one we had um, Aaron Eisenberg um, commented on, yes. which was really cool. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So do you rotate through the series of books that you read or is it just... There's no particular order, really. Um, it's kind of a mixture of whatever I fancy the look oh, of. Oh, nice. Well, and it is what, your and sometimes, show. <laughs> and sometimes I put it out to a public vote and people decide um, and, and some of my um, Patreon supporters. I let them de- decide um, as part of the perks. Um, so, yeah. But I think at this point, you've pretty much covered every series at least once, right? I think we have. Think- yes. Yes. Some yeah, yeah. a lot more than others because I'm a yeah. bit biased. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, and it depends on what, what people uh, yeah. put out there. But exactly. uh, yeah, it's, it, it's great. I definitely recommend people check it out. And by the time this episode drops in early October, we... You, I may, you might be in the process of selecting the one for October, but that might be a good time for people to jump in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's great. So today we're going to talk about the episode lessons. And so I wanted to know, Rob, what drew you to, that you wanted to talk about this episode? It's it's a strange one, really, because I, I only I, ca- I came across this more recently. I mean, I've watched it a long time ago, but I, it kind of was in the background and I, I didn't really remember much from it. And watched it again recently, and it really um, resonated with me. And I think I, I'm a bit of a sucker for the underdog, <laughs> and and this the, the Picard's love interest in this um, episode. A lot of people, or that I've come across, don't seem to perhaps like her as much as Picard's other love interests. And and I I really really like her. I think she's a fantastic character, and it would be, it would have been great to see more of her. So the episode and the ro- the romance story, and seeing a different side to Picard was really really interesting. And there was personal things that resonated with me and my life and my partner's life. And but I'll, I'll perhaps explain that a bit later when we mm-hmm. delve into an analysis of the of the episode. But I, I really really enjoyed the episode. All right, Justin, what are your initial thoughts about this episode when you heard that we were going to be discussing it? Like, what what do you think about lessons? Well, you know, I, I was happy, Rob, that, that you wanted to talk about this one because this is one of my favorites. And yeah, I know there are some people there that don't like Nella Darren as much, but I've said this on Earl Grey before, which is 
probably a controversial opinion. I like her the most with Picard, even a little bit over Beverly Crusher. Because <laughs> Rob's like, yes. But be, be, and we'll, we, maybe we'll get more into this, but I, f- I feel like you get to see just in this one episode more Picard kind of working with her and being interested in what she's doing. I mean, she's she's doing like all of this really interesting science and she's someone that, that can kind of stand up to Picard and challenge him and all that. Not that Beverly Crusher doesn't, but in the in the series, like they always had this thing like, uh, will they, won't they? It's just like a little bit kind of on the margins and attached. It gets more so, but they pull back. So you have to wait for the novels for Beverly Crusher and Jean-Luc Picard to be involved. But in this one episode, you get to really see Picard kind of go for it and also grapple what is it like if I'm the captain and I'm romantically involved with someone under my command, which is something that can be very relevant for our own lives. And I don't know, there's just always, I I really love how the character is played. I I think that, you know, if the actress was maybe different and played it differently, maybe it wouldn't be as strong, but I think they're really strong performances all around. And I don't, it's hard to define somehow, but I just really love her character and thought she was like super interesting and a great match for Picard. So yes, I was looking forward to it. Short answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I heard, I'm like, oh, Justin's going to be so happy because we <laughs> all know he loves Nella Darren. I definitely, she's definitely at the top. I mean, my favorite, well, outside of Beverly, but my favorite is Anij in um, Insurrection. Insurrection. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I like that, you know, romance a little bit better. But I do think Nella is way better than Vosh. So she. <laughs> well, I will agree on that. And I know we'll have listeners that will disagree. But yes, I, totally I, agree I know that. that too. So <laughs> Nella, Darren, she's, she's definitely up there. But I mean, yeah, yeah I, I still like the uh, Picard Crusher. And it's interesting. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later because I have some things to say about, you know, how that relationship is with Crusher, you know, with him discussing it and stuff like that. So that's interesting. But definitely we do get a completely different side of Captain Picard in this. And so, yeah, that builds the context of his character so much more. And it is just great to see a different side of him. So yeah, I I really quite enjoy uh, this episode. I think it does good to call back to previous episodes. And, and so yeah, we just get this history and this wonderful Picard story. I'm glad that we get to uh, discuss it. So one of the things that I think is very evident is how do you deal with workplace romances? I mean, Picard, this is one of the first things that he realizes is like, um, yeah, and I love he calls in Deanna Troy, his personal counselor, as we all know. Yes, I mean, this this definitely supports your theory. <laughs> yeah, and she's there for the captain. And, you know, he is very concerned, you know, how are other people going to view it? What is the official Starfleet policy? Like, there's a lot of things to consider in this workplace romance. Um, do you, what, Rob, what do you think? Does he handle it well, Picard? Generally, I think initially there's that scene when they're in the turbo lift after they've had their little duet <laughs> in, the, yeah. in, a, in the Jeffrey's tube. And he, he almost, when, when, a, when another uh, crew member enters the, the turbo lift, he blanks Nella Darren. Uh, which is incredibly rude. <laughs> he becomes <laughs> yes. like much more formal about it. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly saying, you know, not calling her Lieutenant Commander or, you know, Commander or whatever. 
but then he I think he realizes once he's talked to Troy that you know that was wasn't the correct thing to do and it's it's okay for him to for the crew to know that he's in a relationship uh, and he immediately apologizes to um to Nella or even just to be to, that it's okay to be friendly with someone in a turbo yeah. like you don't have to like yeah <laughs> yeah he's get very stiff doesn't he very yeah <laughs> but i think generally they both handle it really well i mean you know they 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 raise the point that there there's this potential conflicts or there could be conflicts the fact that you know he's he might have to put her in in harm's way if she goes on an away mission and i think when when Riker does put her in charge of one of the the, the away teams he almost tries to persuade her like you know is there someone else that could do this and she you know she says that i assume i was picked because i'm the best person so they both they both jostle with it but i think they they end up doing the right thing and it, it seems to work for them but obviously at the end of the episode we um ultimately see that they they don't think it's it's going to work so hence why she leaves the ship but I, personally i it would be a really um really awkward i mean thing to if if that relationship went wrong and they had to they stayed on the ship it could cause a really awkward atmosphere and anyone that's been in a workplace where that's happened that can be really tense <laughs> yeah yeah so i would steer clear of that but they they do seem to handle it quite well I think there's definitely an adjustment period that the crew has to go through um, because, and that's evident, you know, when Nella Darren is, you know, requesting more time and, and Riker sort of feels like, oh my gosh, I'm put in this position where is it okay if I say no, you know, what's the circumstances, you know, is she going to go around me? you know, and go straight to Picard and ask for this time, you know, and I, I see Riker is really having to struggle with this because he wants to still remain professional, but sort of respect the relationship that, you know, his captain is having. It's very awkward, those scenes. But I think that they do manage to negotiate it pretty well. And I mean, I think the good thing is, but I think both Picard and Darren are trying to do it in, in good faith. Like Darren makes this this request and then she kind of finds out about it later and she's like, aha, okay, I understand what happened here and I can do better. So it seems like toward the end of the episode that they're negotiating it better and Picard has this conversation with Riker like, yeah. you know, is she asking anything unusual? No. Is she trying to do her job? Yes. Well, then go ahead and do yours and I'm fine with that, you know? And I get the feeling that Darren is the kind of person that if she feels like Riker is doing, I mean, she's, I think in the position that she's trying to do the best for a department that really we haven't heard too much about or seen too much on the show. So it doesn't seem like it's like the top of the food chain or anything. So she's trying to do the best she can for, you know, the scientists that are working for her and all of that. Yeah. And, but I think she's okay with like, okay, if I make this request and you feel like the resources are better allocated elsewhere, like I can accept that, but I'm going to argue for it and shouldn't feel uncomfortable about that. So I think they get to a good place. But of course, the place where it breaks down is Picard has to send her on this mission where she might die. And when he thinks that she's died, he says that he's begun to shut down. So he's really concerned that if he does something like that, I think he'll feel really guilty about sending someone he loves to their death and that it would affect his ability to command for some time to come or maybe he wouldn't even want to be in Starfleet anymore. So so it it, it doesn't work out. I mean, I think it's, it's ironic that you get like in the novels that he's married to Crusher and serving on the same ship with her. 
and Riker's married to Troy and serving on the same ship with her. So I, some, they deal with it somehow. But in this instance, yeah, they just, I think they do really well, but it comes to a point where it's life and death and it's like, just can't deal with that at this point, which is a shame. Yeah, like in the future, like really, how is that going to work? I mean, you can see Miles and Keiko. Like Miles isn't, you know, in a position of authority yeah, over Keiko's her. Keiko's not in Starfleet, yeah. Yeah, and and so it's like this workplace romance is completely a different scenario because here he is captain. He is in command. He is in control. He's the one that's, you know, top dog. And so to have a relationship like, is there any type of coercion? How is he going to, Mm. yeah, respond when someone gets put placed in danger? Or if someone like Riker was concerned, you know, if Riker says no, is he going to feel the backlash of that? Because, you know, how is Picard going to handle it? You know, and so I think that when Riker goes into Picard's ready room, you know, and then just gets that reassurance from Picard, like you're doing your job and I'm going to respect that. But so many times when people fall in love, they lose their head and they follow with their Mm -hmm. heart. And Mm -hmm. so if Riker says, no, you're not getting more time or no, you're not getting blah, blah, blah. Then if Picard is acting with his heart, why would you tell her? No, she needs this da da da. And thinking with his heart over his head. I mean, that's a realistic, I'm sure everyone Mm -hmm. can relate to, you know, someone who normally is logical, falls in love, especially a workplace romance. And then the dynamic changes so much, especially Mm. when it's someone in authority, power. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that they say in the episode that there are no Starfleet regulations about this because, I mean, like, so first of all, I mean, of course, if it's like a consensual relationship, they're not going to have any regulations about that. But they should, I think, recognize at at some level that if two people do have that relationship and they can, you know, affect the running of, of the ship, that there needs to be, I don't know how it would even work, like something so that, you know, if, if it seems like that relationship is affecting the running of the, the ship in, in some way, that there's some process or something. I don't know. Because I, like, I actually don't know how in our time that companies deal with this this kind of thing or what rules that they have like i've never been to a workplace romance myself never had to like see like oh what does it say in the employee manual about that kind of thing so i don't know if you guys know like how it actually works or if like w- what that means you know i know like i know starfleet isn't primarily a mi- military organization but i mean yeah. it- oh, in the military are you allowed i'm assuming you're not allowed to have a relationship with a subordinate I don't know for certain, but I would assume. Well, I know, yeah, in as far as education goes, uh, again, there's that, you know, subordinate. So definitely teachers can marry teachers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Married couples, if they're teacher to teacher, can work in the same school. However, if there's a principal, then you uh, are not allowed to have your spouse you know, be under you. So there's no, Mm -hmm. if there's an evaluation process, um, you're not allowed to be in that subordinate, you know, you can be coworkers, you know, peers on the same level, but you can't have that control evaluation power, you know, separation. So. Yeah. By the way, I, I I was curious. So I kind of, I kind of looked it up on what some of the 
the regulations are, and I think this is talking about the the U.S. Army, only off-limits romances between an officer and an enlisted member, but some exceptions exist. So they do have some things like if it's officer and enlisted person where they're ordering them to do things that that's not allowed, but otherwise for the most part, yeah. And I, I wonder, is, 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 um, is Picard the only captain that we see engage in a relationship with someone directly underneath him? I know we have like Cisco and Castillo's, but Castillo's yeah, but, isn't. But she's not isn't, in Starfleet. Yeah. I mean, so. the, like I, I was thinking about this, like what other romances do mm. we see for people that are, and there is Worf and Jadzia Dax, but I, they're not, they're kind of, I guess, at the same level. They're not, yeah. no, no, right. no I guess they're in different, to each other. different departments, yeah. I guess, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But they're both Lieutenant commanders. So yeah, they don't, they don't have any authority to, and they to don't evaluate or yeah. Have. Mm. Yeah. But, but again, like, in the novels, they do have people that are captains that have relationships with people underneath them, and somehow they navigate it. Yeah. yeah. So I did want to bring up, Cisco. I'm glad that you did, um, talk going back to sort of what I was saying, like, you know, Cap, uh, Cisco is generally pretty level-headed, and it just happenstance in my Deep Space Nine watch that I watched for the cause mm-hmm. just right after Lessons. And here Cisco is, and it just sort of goes to my exact point. Like, Cisco's normally very regimented. Well, okay, I won't say very, because we know he is very passionate. Um, but yeah, Cassidy comes in with her ship, and she's like, oh, I have to go. I have to meet my, you know, person, because, you know, she's trading stuff yeah yeah i'm so sorry yeah, i'm not the words aren't coming well, she's to making me. a rendezvous with yeah she ship. has yeah. to catch yeah. this rendezvous and so they're but they suspect that she's helping the um the maquis the maquis and so he lets her leave without a ship inspection and i'm just like are you kidding me picard yeah. would never do this i'm just having a hard time with Cisco, but that goes to the point of there's this workplace romance, you know, and because they are personally involved, he's going to let this slide and break regulations and let her leave without a full inspection. But but I, I haven't seen the episode for a while, but was he doing that because he suspected she was working with the Maquis and it works into catching her in it and sending her to prison at the end of the episode? Yes, um, it, it does. But I think he still was wanting her to be innocent and to prove herself mm-hmm. innocent, you know? True. So Yeah, his judgment, I think, in that episode does get affected. And it is interesting to make the comparison because I think, I love Cisco. He's one of my favorite uh, captains along with Picard. Yes, but I saw your post. His, yeah, <laughs> but his his judgment, I think, does more often than Picard get affected by his emotions. Yes. And there's different parts in the series where he's doing things where, I mean, I think in you know, for the cause too, for, you know, Eddington, he lets his emotions oh. kind of get into yes. it big time, right? Big, big time. time. It's a very Again, personal. I'm like, Picard would not do this. No. I mean, but, but I mean, it gets to some of the differences between the, the shows. Yes. Like they're not in the Federation. They're dealing with all these things on the fringes. So things can be different. But yeah, I, that, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'd be surprised if they don't have regulations about it because maybe Picard handles it really well, but someone else would not exactly. would abuse it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry to get all deep space no, nine. It just sort that's, of <laughs> That's fine. It's great to bring that in. I hadn't thought about that, but it's a it's a good point and that's that's the other place where we see that kind of thing. Yeah. So um it was also interesting this episode 
deals heavily with music, right? Mm-hmm. And I just found it very interesting, like when why he chooses to share. So Picard is telling Nella about the flute and his experience, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. why did he choose to share that specific uh, ordeal in his life? He could have shared like something more, you know, say like the Borg or, you know, his time, uh, Damon Bach, uh, you know, way back in season one where he was being tortured by the Ferengi. Like there's so many different experiences, like why this one? It doesn't seem, I don't know. It, it just seems like there were other situations that would have impacted him more and why he would share the inner light experience. Rob? I guess, well, they have that common interest, I guess. They're both passionate about their music. So I guess maybe that's something that's affected him and that he's passionate about that also is something that she has a a connection to and an interest in. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe that might be why. But I I see your point, definitely. There are other things that he could have... He could have shared, but I really like this the the reappearance of the the flute and and that that music gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I think he does even talk about it in a conversation with with uh, with Darren, where you know she's she's kind of asking about like why are you telling me this, and he says because I want you to understand what my music means to me, that's right, and what it means for me to be able to share it with someone. Because, like, I, I think part of it is is sharing that music for that very personal experience. So he had this experience in the inner light. They find the flute on the probe, which Riker gives to, to Picard. The only other time before lessons you even see any reference to that or see the flute is in A Fistful of Datas. And it's kind of comic because he's trying to practice by himself and people keep interrupting him, right? Right. <laughs> but the sense that I get is that he hasn't really shared how much it means to him that he lived this whole lifetime of experience. He had this family. I get the feeling like, you know, he put some things in an official report, right? Or maybe talk with Troy about it a little bit. But this is the one thing that is one of the most meaningful experiences of his entire life that he can share with her. And not only share the story like this happened, this happened, this happened, but to play his music for her. And I think one of the things that's really striking is you know, they, they, I think shortly after that, they, they start improvising around this melody. And you see Patrick Stewart as Picard give about the biggest smile we ever see him give because it, it, it's almost like he's, he's really relaxed at that point. Because one of the things I noticed is that probably in this episode, you see him really spending more free time than just about any other episode, maybe Captain's Holiday, although that wasn't maybe as much free time as an adventure. But <laughs> Like he has, he has this time that, that he's spending and he's really enjoying it. And it feels like in some of those scenes, he's like the happiest you've ever seen him. And I think part of it is because he's had this weight of this experience and now he can share it with someone, with someone that, that he loves. And that's like a special experience for him. So I think, and if you were sharing the experience with the Borg, there's not really happiness that comes out of that. It was a terrible, terrible experience. So he's wanting to share something that they can really turn into something you know beautiful and i think those scenes where they're playing together maybe especially in the jeffrey's tube is just is just wonderful i just always smile because you see him having a good time he's not a captain with all this responsibility he's a person that's having a good time in his free time and i love seeing that Yeah, yeah i love that you brought up you know because the looks that we get from patrick stewart 
we've never seen on Picard. And I wrote that one down in my notes, you know, when I she's like, too. you're definitely better than you think. And that smile, like, yeah. I mean, get out. <laughs> Come on, Picard actually has a heart and he's happy and we are happy for him that he finally, and, and you're right, that he gets to share his music with someone. And when you find someone as I have found in my Trek family, like someone who has that passion, you know, that's why I love Star Trek Las Vegas. Like everyone is passionate about Star Trek. And so here Picard is finally, you know, gets to share his music, someone who plays, someone that who understands like, yes, we know data plays, but there's no emotional con, you know, response with that. Um, he definitely has a lot to share with Beverly, but Beverly doesn't play an instrument. So in that one aspect, like here he gets to. I, I don't think he's even, sh- even even shared anything about how much that music means to him with Beverly is the sense that I get. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think that there's, you know, when you find someone that, you know, has that connection, you're going to open up in different ways. And I think, yeah, it just hasn't happened with Beverly. They are still sharing breakfast and dinner, you know, they were having dinner together before the concert, you know? And so, you know, that there's that, you know, relationship that, um, Crusher and Picard have, but yeah, he hasn't divulged and shared everything, I think. Um, and it's made obvious, you know, and it's, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this, oh, you both mentioned it. It's this, the smile is, is, is there's something really critical and you can quite easily miss it. But the, mm-hmm. the, the fact that you see, I mean, you see him happy before, but not like this. It's it's so right. different to anything before. And I think even at, you know during the concert scene um, at the end, where the, when he talks to um, Nella, and she realizes that he's got a love of music. You even see that uh, initial oh, like like she's suddenly you know, she doesn't <laughs> necessarily smile as much, but you can see she's suddenly interested. So they just they just seem like such a good match. And yeah, it's it's so um, touching that he shares this really private, uh, personal, mo- and vulnerable moment with um, with yeah. Nella. Picard shares archaeology and the love of the hunt and stuff with Vosh, but this is completely different. This is on a completely different level, and I think more uh, intelligent because um, Vosh is just in it for profit. And here we get Darren, you know, just completely opposite that just is playing her music for passion and because she wants to learn and she enjoys it. And I just, yeah, I I can see there's connections that Picard has with Vosh, but I think the connection is much stronger uh, with Darren. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the things that you see is that, and, and Picard is also like really interested in the stellar sciences stuff that Darren is doing. Like I think over like breakfast with, with Beverly, he's like, Oh, this is so exciting. This and this and this. And she doesn't look terribly interested. Oh, I'm sorry. I must be boring you. (laughs) But, but like they can connect on that level as far as like science and intellectual pursuit, but they can also connect on this creative level with the music. And, and one of the things that I absolutely love about this episode that you very, very rarely see in Star Trek is that you're seeing two people just like they don't even know what they're going to do. They're just kind of like in their court improvising or jamming is what you call it if it was rock maybe. But like usually in, in Star Trek, what you see is like there's this finished product of music, people perform it, clap, done. 
But, you know, a lot of the, the experience, I'm not a musician myself, but my wife is, and a lot of the experience that she has of music is in those moments where she is, you know, with someone else or other people who are musicians, and they're like, oh, let's go ahead and play this and improvise that. Oh, what would this be like? And it's in the process of, like, making a song or making something, which you very rarely see in Star Trek, but which is very important if you're a musician. So I really like that they have that creative aspect and the intellectual science aspect, which is why I think that that she's the the best match uh, for for Picard. So just on kind of both of those levels. And I love I love how she it boosts his confidence with his music. Mm. When when mm-hmm. she first comes into his quarters, he's I mean even before that at the concert he's very dismissive. Oh, I'm just an amateur. And then when she comes into his quarters and they play together, he's like, you know he's like oh I wouldn't inflict that on someone and oh I'm not very good. And she's, you know, she's like, well, it doesn't matter as long as you enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see, you can see him get more yeah. uplifted by her belief in him. And and I think what's what I was noticing this time around is that at first it almost seems a bit like she's she's humoring him when he starts playing a little bit, and she's like, no, it's it's good, keep going. But then as he really kind of relaxes and lets it out, you can see that she's genuinely impressed and just loves making this music with him. So I just I just like that kind of transformation that you see as as well, because maybe she's humoring him a little bit at first. But then after that, it's like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is great. You know, let's let's just see where this leads. So on a, on a complete random side note, I, I love yeah. that when Nella brings in the portable piano. Yeah, Picard's like, oh, that's amazing! Like, <laughs> like we have those now. <laughs> well, yes, but like her her portable piano, ha- I didn't count it, but you know, maybe it has like fifteen or twenty keys. I don't know how she's playing. Like, you know, yeah. And why are they <laughs> so like an wide? Piano. I noticed I know. that. I'm like, it was the prop, but I, I was just, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, okay, you know, on a standard piano, you have eighty eight keys. Maybe on like a reduced keyboard, you have sixty something. But this is like a lot fewer, right? It's like, how do you do that? Are you just like pressing something to go up an octave or whatever? I don't yeah. know. There was Is something the piano about it that... just supposed to know that you're yeah, going <laughs> up or going down? Yeah, octaves. there was something a little distracting about that. But but yeah, like it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This thing you can can roll out. It probably would have been more impressive if it was holographic, but Mm. But uh, but but you get to see her then playing like a grand piano in the in the concert, which I think was really cool. Actually, if they would have been able to have something like that in his quarters, maybe not. But but yeah, that, that little piano is kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cool. high tech. <laughs> yeah, it reads your mind to tell what octave you want to go there to. You That's go. what it is. <laughs> so we've seen Crusher have to go through Picard and Bosch. And I think she handles it very well, you know, and Vosh is surprised when she comes back on uh, Cupid. No one's, he hasn't mentioned me to anyone, you know, and <laughs> Beverly's like, uh, no, cause you're not that important type of vibe. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's in my head canon, you know, it's like, yeah, you're not important. Picard is definitely talking to Beverly about Darren, you know, and sharing things and I just find it, and maybe this is just me being catty, but <laughs> when Darren goes into sick bay and has injured her elbow because she's been playing so much, and oh, I've been playing a lot with the captain. <laughs> like, this is calculating, this is manipulative. And she's like, oh, well, 
and then Crusher's like, well, I think you're going to be fine. And she's like, and then Dar- Nella's like, well, I wouldn't want to have to cancel tonight. I mean, she's making it very <laughs> clear, you know, I mean, if they're, she's marking her territory, like, okay, I'm dating the captain now. So you need to back off type of thing. And I think Beverly handles it very well. And I'm, and then I, I didn't even think about it until at the end of the scene. And I'm like, okay, I have played many hours of piano, many, Mm -hmm. many, and I have never injured my elbow from playing multiple (laughs) hours. I just, I found that was a little. No, there is definitely innuendo going on. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So it wasn't just me. It's not just it's not just you, and I think they wrote it to to kind of mean it that way because Crusher says you have a mild strain, and Darren says I've been playing the piano a lot. I guess the captain and I overdid it a little last night. Right? I mean, come on, that means they slept together <laughs> Please, last night, right? It's got to be. But then, like, it goes further, and Crusher says the captain, and Nell says uh, yes, he plays a kind of flute, a resican, I think he said, and Crusher says yes but I didn't know he played duets, which to me is like a cutting remark, like, oh, I didn't know he was having a relationship with someone, not just like piano flute duet, but like, yeah, yeah they're sleeping together. Yeah. Is the way that I took that. And and I think Crusher even has this look like, didn't know he was playing duets. Yeah, there's, like, there's yeah. definitely looks there. <laughs> if you pause it at the right time, you're like, oh, that's... <laughs> so like, uh-huh, yeah. And, and, and like, it, it was funny, like, uh, you know, we were talking on, on Twitter a little that we were going to talk about this episode and somebody who's a very big Beverly Crusher fan is like, I don't like that episode, but I do like the, the looks that yes. Beverly gives. Yeah, I saw that. And it's true. She, I mean, I think she's she's just, yeah, I think she's handling it pretty well, but has like these little cutting like looks and remarks. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't just me because it I wasn't was like, just you. I mean, a mild strain from playing too much piano. Yeah. I don't know about that. I know. And so I was like, Nella, that was. That would be like Worf cool. and Jadzia coming into Sick Bay and being like, oh, you know what? We overdid it on those bat left fights yeah. that we have in the hall. They're like, no, no, we know what you did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So another thing that I really liked about this episode <laughs> was that. And it goes back to the beginning when they're going uh, to the very first concert. And we see Picard, but then in the background is Troy. And we all know I love Troy, so I'm bringing her up. But to see, so we get to see her reaction because we can see, oh, Picard's feelings are changing. And we just, she all of a sudden just, you know, looks slowly to Picard and so it's like we are witnessing the moment when Picard starts to develop feelings. And I just thought that was so well done. She's still a little out of focus, but yet enough that we can see Picard at the very beginning. And I just thought that was that was perfect and, and used Counselor Troy perfectly in this episode. Yeah, so you're thinking that... that- Card really starts falling in love with her like at this concert. Is that it? Yeah. I think it's just a curiosity, you know, because they have their back and forth. Well, maybe you should learn to expect things, you know, out of the mm-hmm. ordinary for me, you know, that back and forth. But then at the concert and he feels her passion and emotion when playing. And I think that's when we see it. Yeah. And I, and I think there can be a really interesting with thing with music as a connection, because I think that like, especially when he sees her playing and, and how good she is at it and that, that she's bringing passion into it. It's like there's this other side more than just the science or the intellectual discussion, which I think she's passionate about to a certain extent. But again, it like brings in this other thing and it's like, 
aha, okay, now I know something else about you and your passion and creativity. And I think there can be something really alluring about music, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. What do you think, Rob? Do you like yeah. how Troy is used <laughs> oh, in this episode? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she is used quite a lot, actually. I, I, love, I love that scene where he asks, almost asks her permission, which is, yes. which is quite sweet. And, and, Are you asking my permission? Yeah. <laughs> and again, that shows their close relationship that he trusts her counsel. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I love that. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. But but what I love about that as well is that you get a sense of how other people are well, this is a different scene where Picard and Troy are in, in the in the ready room, but you know, Picard's asking, like, you know, is the relationship that obvious? And Troy says, In a way that pleases people who care about your happiness, yes it is. And I think yeah. she smiles there. And it's like, wow, like other people on the ship are like, Captain Picard's in a relationship and he's happy. This is great. Like they're, you know, all all in for it, which is which is cool because you don't get to see those reactions really. No, you don't. And yeah, when you are, you know, you have a leader and that you love, you want them to be happy. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's very nice mm -hmm. to see that. I like that scene when Picard asks Riker if he wants to um, fence with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Really a, and Riker, the look that Riker gives, like oh, and he does this thing with his finger, like yeah. it's easy, ch -ch -ch, like kind of his chest, and Riker's like, yeah. yes, yeah. sir. Who what, is this what, guy? What has happened to my captain? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the last time this, something like this happened, an alien presence was singing drinking songs <laughs> in the ten forward. You know, like is I wonder if his thought in that moment was like, has he been taken over again? Yeah. <laughs> but I like how also he he says he repeats what Nella says to him about. Riker says, mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I'm not very good. And he, sa he says what Nella says to him about, well, it doesn't matter if you're not good, just as, as long as you enjoy it. Yeah. And again, yeah. you see that big smile on his face, how she just makes him mm -hmm. so happy. Yeah. Um, she, and, yeah. And then watching it this time, I was like, oh, where is the scene with Picard and Riker fencing? I want to know what that's like. <laughs> 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 but yeah, definitely. I mean, it just changes like his whole demeanor. He just comes out of the ready room and he's like, oh. It's going to be fine. Everything's great. Yeah. And like what's really interesting about this episode as well is sometimes, you know, if you think back to, to Vosh and the episode she's in, there's like all of this peril and danger for, well, in in, uh, in Cupid, it's for a lot of the crew and for Captain's Holiday, you know, there's all of these machinations and things going on and life's in danger. But they really focus a lot on the love story and the thing that's the danger kind of comes in toward the end. Right. And it's not like there's an alien presence or there's all these machinations or anything like that. It's like there's a natural event <laughs> that's putting this colony in, in danger. So I thought it was, it was interesting that they took so much of the episode to really focus on the love story and the development of it and the danger comes in later. And it's just a natural danger. It's like there are these firestorms, it happens. And it's because they could have had, I don't know, Darren being kidnapped by Ferengi or something. I think that would have torpedoed the episode. But mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes they do something like that. And it, it wasn't. It was just in the natural course of ship business, this is what's happened and things will happen. So, yeah, I just like how they how they did that. It was a more subtle approach, I thought. Yeah. And I think that that scene, um, the scenes where Nella's on the planet and she's coordinating the, you know, the uh, effort to keep the colonists safe from this firestorm. That's another reason to me why and people can send me hate mail where I think she's better than a better match for Picard than, than Vash or, or, or any other um, love interest, because, you know, she's, she's brave. She's, yeah. uh, f you know, fearless. She's intelligent. She's as Crusher points out forthright. 
She's just yeah. she's a, an equal to Picard. Yeah. See, I, I, what, what I would say is that I mean I I agree with you, and I think the I think Crusher is that, but the writers didn't give her enough of an opportunity to show that. Yeah, I'd yeah, I'd agree with that. But no, like I I agree. It's like she is willing to to risk her life, and I thought it was interesting how they fit it in there. Like, okay, there's this person who's like the head of stellar sciences on you know going on on this away mission, but I guess it made sense how they kind of explained it. But yeah, she's willing to just go down there, risk her own life to be able to 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 save these people. And I thought that was great. And like, I'm always amazed when I see this because in the course of one episode, you see like what a dedicated scientist she is, what a passionate music player she is, you know, how brave she is. There's like all of these things that they're showing within within the one episode. And for me, at least, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like this is part of the natural course of who she is and reacting to all of these events. And it's not like she's perfect or anything because in, in, in the beginning, she's, you know, really ticked off that someone is interrupting her, her experiment until she realizes it's Picard. And then even after that, you know, she's kind of pushing him and, and challenging him. And toward the end, when he says, oh, well, maybe you can just, you know, resign your commission and be here with me. She comes back with, well, maybe you can resign your commission and come to a star base with me. It's like, I'm going to be my, my own person and not be manipulated by the circumstances. I feel like she's really strong, just like start to finish. And I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know I could keep going for a while, but <laughs> well, Rob, when you were talking, I'm like, oh man, you are right. This I, now I'm really liking Nella Darren for Picard. Oh my You're, gosh, are, are you part of Team Darren now? <laughs> Hashtag Team Darren. I, well, and because I like him with a niche, but I mean, even in a movie that's two hour long, we have this one, you know, forty seven minute episode where they bring out all of these characteristics that you just said that's so true and that's such a good match for Picard. I mean, she is just so bold and forthright and just comes out and is decisive and is a great leader. And she takes action when need be. And yeah, she's really awesome. She's really awesome. So I just had one other quick thing to -hmm. talk about before we head out, um, before our final thoughts. So... When Picard is talking to Crusher and explaining what uh, Darren's experiments is about, I just math geeked out. I and it's real math. That's again what I love about Star Trek. Like, so he's explaining to Beverly that uh, she's creating a mathematical model that will predict the configuration, like when a star in a galaxy. Well, it's, I think it's when a star, what what a configuration would be like? Yeah, two to million com- years? yeah the, to predict the configuration of a star system, two million light years, and that it uses... I think it's two million years in the future. Two million years, yeah. In, yeah. yeah, not light years, sorry. Which is amazing. <laughs> two million years in the future, and they're using fractal particle motion, which seriously nice. is a real thing. Like fractal, I am so, I'm taking this clip, I'm going to be using it in my math lessons when we talk about fractals, because it's used in, uh, nowadays, well, and again, I bring up the Star Trek reference here, but like fractal particle motion, that is a real thing. And I love that the writers know about it and are using it here. And it makes total sense that it's going to be to predict a star system. I just, 
I loved it, guys. I had to math geek out. That's great. Well, I guess whenever they say the word fractal, it'll get mentioned. But I mean, fractals are a really important thing in in math and also in design and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it is pretty great. But I'm impressed by that, like 2 million years from now, (laughs) right? Yeah, I don't know about that. But the... Well, they have a few hundred years to get there. The (laughs) application of fractal particle motion, that's that's a real thing and that it would mm-hmm. theoretically do that. So Yeah, and Darren's willing to, you know, she has some time to wait 2 million years to find out if it's right. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I always wonder when I hear this episode, see this episode because it's the only time we see Darren is if she it would have fit in to put her in a later episode or movie. Now, at this point, unfortunately, the actress who played her, Wendy Hughes, who was an Australian actress, died in 2014 of cancer, so It's not going to come back played by that actor at this point, but I wonder if during the course of the show or any of the movies that that's something you would have liked to see. Rob? Definitely. 100% I would have. Yeah, okay. Even even if it, I mean, I can see why perhaps you might not have her featuring heavily in something, like a whole episode or, but you could even have like a passing reference or, you know, a cameo somewhere. I'm hoping with my Trek book club hat on that she appears even briefly or there's a reference to her. You know what? I, I, I looked it up. There are a few references, but it's not much in the books. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah, Sorry. I would have really liked to have, have seen her again. Um, even to see, even if it's got nothing to do with Picard's romance to see what she's doing, what she's up to. She was just such a, a great character. It would have been good to see. Mm. Yeah. See her again. What do you think, Amy? Yeah, I think uh, a reference would have been nice. I mean, we got Vosh to come back and yeah. That was hard. We got her to come back in a second TNG episode and a DS9 episode. That's right. <laughs> well, I have I seen that one yet? That's in first season. Oh, yeah. With okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 with Q. So, yeah, I definitely after seeing what was developed in this wonderful episode, definitely would have liked to have seen her again, but for sure like at least a reference you know, uh, in passing. I mean, we saw Leah Brahms referenced, you know, yeah. a second time, a third time. We got and, to see the real one a second time too. Yeah. yeah. And so she's very intelligent. She definitely does her job. So yeah, where is she now type of thing? You know, where is she in Starfleet? What amazing contributions is she making in stellar cartography and stuff like that? So definitely I would have liked to have seen her. I think, I don't know if, Maybe just more of a reference instead of actually seeing her again. That's that's interesting because actually, as as we were talking about this, I mean, I would definitely would have liked to to have seen her again, but you would have had to deal with you know what it means for their relationship at that point. Yeah. But I would have liked to to see her as part of an episode where she's like the captain of a science vessel, and there's this mission where she can she can help out in some way, and just just to see more of her. It doesn't have to rekindle the relationship mm-hmm. or anything, but. Yeah, I thought about that, and I and I was really sad to find out that the actress who played her died a few few years ago. Yeah, same. Yeah, she so. she the, the actress um, played her so well. She really nailed the emotion and the connection with with Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So, Rob, what are your final thoughts on this episode and sort of what we've talked about today? Well, would it, would it be possible to share some personal reflections about the episode and perhaps get a little bit deep? <laughs> Absolutely, please. And some of this might sound a bit cheesy, so bear with me. So there's there's something about this episode that really resonates with me and makes me think of my own relationship with my partner. And in this episode, and I think we've we've all said this, Nella brings out the best in Picard. She brings him out from 
maybe not isolation, but a, a form of isolation. She makes him engage with music more and feel more confident. She brings out his passion about music. She, we see in that the, the smiles that we see from Fagard in this episode, she makes him really happy. She, she makes his life more complete. And this is how I, this is the cheesy bit. This is how I feel about my partner. So my partner makes me a, a better person. We share similar values and passions. We're devoted to one another. And, and, and this is the really cheesy bit. When I'm with my partner, it puts a, a smile on my face like Nella does for the card. So my partner's a bit like my Nella Darren. <laughs> and this is the, 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 getting a bit deeper. Um, like I said before, I, I'd forgotten about this episode until fairly recently. And it struck a chord with me because of fairly recent events in my life. So myself and my partner have both been through uh, suffering with depression and anxiety. And in fairly recent times, my, my partner's um, mental health has deteriorated to a point where, you know, she, she uh, made attempts on her life. And it was incredibly difficult for myself and my partner. And like we see that, that moment with Picard where he thinks he's lost Nella and he just shuts down. And, you know, he closes that case on his flute and he just doesn't know what to do with himself. And at that point in my life, I felt like that. I felt utter despair. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I was just a mess. So, yeah, I, I that res- that scene resonated with me because I felt like Picard. Like I, I shut down at the possibility of losing my partner. So I can completely see how Picard felt like that. Um, so yeah, so it has a, a really a special resonance for me about a, a difficult period of my life. And I know that's a common thing with Star Trek, but, you know, a, a particular episode or a particular series reminds someone of, of a difficult part of their life and how they pulled through it. So yeah, and, and my partner is, is, is like I said, is, is my Nella Darren. She's in, intelligent, beautiful, brave and talented. So that, that was my personal reflections about the episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Yes, thank you. I know it's, sometimes it's not easy to share these really personal things, but thank you so much for sharing that and the connection you have. That is often what happens in, in Star Trek. We'll see something and it'll have a real impact on on us. And, and so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Justin, your final thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, like I think, Rob, when you suggested this, I was like, lessons. I love that episode. Let's do it. I love Nella Darren. This is awesome. I mean, but but it also caused me to, as we've been you know, talking about this discussion, to, to to look into it maybe a little bit more, more deeply. Uh, and the effect that it has on Picard, because I think that, you know, this is one episode, but it's the first one where he really deals with I guess maybe the only one where he really in depth, we see him deal with what happened in the inner light and what it means to him. So as a follow-up to that, I think it's important for his character development. It's also important that for most of the episodes of the episode, he's not really making decisions necessarily as a captain, but as someone in their free time and how he's going to spend his free time, whether he's going to be in this relationship. So it's caught up in, you know, the romance in the workplace and the decision-making and all of that. But the real core of the episode is Picard's own feelings, which is very rare to see for that to be the core of of an episode. And so I feel like you get to see more deeply into who 
Picard is, not necessarily, you know, as the captain in difficult situations, but as a human being, which I think is one of the reasons, you know, I think we had talked uh, recently about family. That's one of the reasons also I think that's a great episode because you see him more as a human being and not the, the captain. So I think it's a really unusual episode in that way, but I think they execute it really well. And I think the Picard-Darren relationship is great. Again, it's my favorite Picard relationship. And you do, and I love, you know, even in this episodic TV that you that you see in The Next Generation, that you get to see a really well-rounded, well-drawn character like Nella Darren over the course of 45 minutes. I think it's impressive what they achieved here with this episode. I think it's very memorable. It remains one of my all-time favorites because I love seeing Picard happy. It also, it, like a lot of the episode can bring me to tears because it's like this is for me, like the time when he's really happy and sharing the the music and feeling like he can experience that again, what he experienced in the inner light, I think is really touching. So I love this episode. And, you know, I hope, you know, even the listeners that don't, don't like Nella Darren or, or the relationship, I mean, that, that uh, we've talked about some things that are interesting reflections for them, but I think it's, it's a great episode that I was just so happy to, to revisit and, you know, find out your perspectives on. Yeah, this uh, episode, especially in my recent rewatch, like, yeah, it is powerful on so many levels. And I love that we get to see this amazing character development from, like you said, a captain who we are just used to seeing play the captain role. And there's little tidbits, you know, of Captain Picard, of, you know, him getting his saddle because every serious, you know, person has a saddle. So this brings another level to our beloved captain and the interplay that he has again with his feeling of his duty to the starship and the duty to himself as a person to be and to allow yourself to be happy, I think hits and resonates with many people and, and allowing yourself to go there, I think is something that's very brave that we don't see him do very often and uh, that we do get to see that in this episode. I think, Rob, you're right. I put it down in my notes. Like when he fears that the away mission, especially her, was lost on the on the planet, like he closes the top of his of the flute box. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, what what is that is what does that symbolize? Is it him mm-hmm. closing his heart that he's never going to allow himself to open up and to trust someone and to be vulnerable? Because I have felt like I have done that in the past, you know, of just, you know, you're symbolic. I'm closing the box. I'm not going to open up again. And it's so effective how they do it. He yes. doesn't have to say it. Closing no. the box, just that motion is just devastating yeah. without any words, which yep. is incredible. And that he's, you know, going to stop playing music. He's going to shut down his heart and and not do that again. And then for her to come back and to tell him on the way out, they're not going to have a relationship, but to say, don't give up on your music, like so powerful Mm -hmm. and so poignant. And just that was, she was talking to his heart, you know, no matter what becomes of us, like don't give up don't shut the box was what I saw. And I just thought, man, cause I, in my life 
shut the box. It's, it's easier. You know, you don't want to become vulnerable. You don't want to have to take that risk again. And so uh, it's this uh, episode definitely resonated with me on a couple of different levels and just was glad to have the opportunity to discuss these so many fine points and I mean, social commentary about workplace romances and, you know, it just so much in this episode. So thank you. Well, Rob, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter. I'm at Trekkie Rob. And they can find me on my Trek Book Club account as well on Twitter, which is at Trek Book Club. I'm also on the Babel Conference every now and then and lots of other Facebook Star Trek groups. So, yeah, feel free to come chat to me. Always happy to talk Star Trek. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for coming on Earl Grey. It was an absolute delight having you on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really great. Really enjoyed it. All right, listeners. Well, for next week, we are going to continue our favorite moments. And yes, you might be thinking, oh, you've reached season seven. Well, we're going to do our favorite moments from the movies. So uh, next week, we will talk about our favorite character moments from the movie Generation. So if you want to Rewatch that movie and uh, tell us your favorite uh, character moments. That would be great. And that's what we'll be doing next week. Well, it's been so much fun talking about the episode Lessons, but it isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. I agree, though. It's fun to say, hey, I know who these characters are. I've seen them before, and now they're all together. That is cool. But at the same time, mm, how realistic is it that they would all know Worf at some point or another? Well, it's just further evidence of my thesis that Star Trek is the story of Worf. This is what I've always said. Worf is the central character in everybody's lives in Star Trek. (laughs) The 602 Club. And what was, in some ways, I think, poignant for where we are today, you know, the word Nazi gets thrown around a lot. But I think the beauty of who Juliana is is that she sees past even the word Nazi. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really important. I, I think that that is the, I mean, we need more messages like that. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Okay, next year, that's my goal. I will be. Yeah. I will carry the Haley <laughs> well, mojo. You'll, you'll have the head, <laughs> so... Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm acting in behalf of Haley. Give me a hug. Yes. <laughs> as long exactly. As, you don't, as long as you don't tackle them on the way to the staircase, I think it's okay. To the journey! So they don't call it a Navy, they call it the Federation Naval Patrol, but same difference, it's basically a Navy. But what is its reason for being? To me, it sounds like they just renamed the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard is no longer, and now it's just the Federation Naval Patrol. But I'm guessing for like people that go out pleasure sailing and get stuck, the Federation Naval Patrol is there to help. They rescue like the tourists on Ryza who are drowning? Exactly, they just rescue people. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. 
You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Justin, where can people contact you when you're not trying to convince the world of the great Picard-Darren relationship? Well, when I'm not trying to do that, like I got to do during this episode, which is great, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. You know, my Nella Darren tweets are just a fraction of a percent, so it's not just that all day. It's all kinds of Star Trek everywhere. Uh, I'm currently tweeting out my season six rewatch of The Next Generation and about a bunch of other Star Trek stuff. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not playing your Resican flute? Well, you can find me here on the network. I co-host The Edge with Patrick Devlin, and that covers Star Trek Discovery, which we have some new episodes to talk about, our short trek. So look, two days from when this drops will be the first one. Oh my goodness. So excited. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Very, very excited. (laughs) Um, You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, where I'm tweeting about, as I mentioned, my season four. Uh, Deep Space Nine, watch, and yeah, just saw For the Cause. Uh, But my favorite place is right there on the Babel Conference, so I'm right there. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our passionate pianists. They are our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. We have a lovely quartet. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Yes, but I didn't know he played duets. Great joy and gratitude. Mm